Alright, so here we are. First episode of Sucio Talk. Oh. With my first guest, the illustrious Tyler Vorce. Oh my god. Uh, who is now the... What are you at Truffle Shuffle? Co-founder. The co-founder yes. of Truffle Shuffle. One of the uh, up-and-coming companies in our world today. Mm-hmm. That was a Pacifico on a glass table. That's a bad idea. All right, so cheers. Cheers, Fuck yeah. Okay. So, Tyler, oh. we're going to start from the beginning. Oh, shit. Little man Tyler, born in... <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I mean, I guess, shit, I was born in New Hampshire. New Hampshire? Yeah. This whole fucking time I thought you were born in Maine. I, don't, I, I keep that on the down low. I was, I was fucking... Alright. I hear you. That's fine. But, uh, born, born in, or raised in Maine, rather. Alright. Born in fucking New Hampshire, raised in Maine. Very cool. Uh, yep. What what town were we talking about? I don't know. Kenny Bunkport? Oh, yep. Kenny, Kenny Bunk. Kenny yeah. Bunk, Maine? Ken, not Kenny Bunkport, but Kenny Bunk, yep. Alright, alright. Born cool. in the 80s, late 80s, 1989, That's in February. Good, that was a good year. Fucking great. That's my vintage. I know. You know what I mean? I'm, I, start, I'm starting to taste delicious right now. I know you are. <laughs> it's peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys. <laughs> All right. I know this is about you. <laughs> so, yeah, so, man. Born and raised. Very man. cool. Very cool. So, the first time I met Tyler was uh, college. Was yeah. that 2007? That's right. In September. August? September. September, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. It's Johnson & Wales. We didn't have to take the ASATs. No. So, it wasn't really... Real school. Not accredited. They called it fake school. <laughs> they like, called it Johnson and Fales University. <laughs> Johnson and Hales University? Or they call it more Johnsons than Wales. <laughs> I forget which Get one Get the it fuck was. out of here. I got a good story, though. All right. First time What's here. up? What's Can up? I tell that? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so the first time I ever met David, right? Uh, so we go to school. You know, we're, we're assigned the different dorm rooms. I'm assigned my dorm room. Uh... And I started school with a childhood friend of mine, Jacobson, which Dave was roommate with Jacobson too. We all, we all know Jacobson. So, uh, but I head into the dorm and legitimately on the first night, right, uh, is when I meet Dave. So we all get stoned shit. So I myself. <laughs> separately, separately. Separately. I had a part. dude and he was just like, hey, you want to smoke this blunt? I was like, <laughs> Yeah, sure, I'll walk with you into these streets. I don't know. I'll smoke right. blunt. Right, in know? the fucking hood of Providence, <laughs> Providence Rhode Island. Providence, Rhode Island. And, uh, Outside. But myself, I got a little high and then read a book, right? Because I'm a fucking nerd. So I'm sitting in the dorm room reading my book. And Dave's comes back high as a motherfucker. <laughs> and this is back when Dave wore nothing but black Adidas. Yeah, fucking right. big ass jeans. Big ass, tall tee, fucking gray shirt, and a big ass fitted hat, right? So, legitimately, Dave is listening to Tupac. I'll never forget it. Comes back, puts on Tupac in his headphones, turns it up all the way. Just blowing my headphones. Come fucking blowing the headphones out. I'm reading, right, sitting in my bed, and Dave, eyes bloodshot as shit. is staring at me and fucking mouthing, mouth-wrapping the lyrics, just completely fucking staring at me. And I'm there reading my book, looking at my book, look over, I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, man. What the hell? Where am I? Psycho. Of course. So I look, I'm like, God damn it, dude. Who? What do we got over here? And I fucking keep looking at my book. Kid's still staring at me. Still rapping. 
right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, this fool fucking takes his headphones off, gets up, starts walking over to me, and I'm like, oh, here we go. We're going to get in a fight right now, day one. Literally walks up to me, and this kid says, yo, you like zombie movies? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what I was thinking of what that, that week and that, was. And like. that was the start of a beautiful relationship. Oh, for sure. For sure. Here yo, we are. Yo, you like zombie movies. 13 years later. Fucking In right. the making. In the Fuck making, it. baby. Mm. So, Johnson & Wales uh, was a trip. Yes. Uh, we uh, partied hard and yeah. studied harder. I yeah. think that's the other way around, but, you know, we'll just yeah. leave it at that. nothing about <laughs> So, um... Basically, at this point, Tyler had already worked at restaurants. So you worked at restaurants in Maine. So tell me about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I mean, I have always wanted to be a chef since fucking. I basically follow the same uh, the same path, or not the same path, obviously, but the mindset. You know that uh, chef's table with Alain Passard when he said at fourteen I decided to be a chef, mm-hmm. and I've been on that path ever since. That's right. Me too. Same shit. We do, we took a little bit of a, or I had to take a little bit of a diversion in the past couple of years from a restaurant chef. But when I was a young young kid, decided I wanted to cook at the literally the day I turned fourteen, which is the legal fucking working age in Maine, started working as a dishwasher. So started in a bakery, worked in the bakery from time to time. They'd let me make sandwiches, which was exciting. Got to work with a fucking crazy old Belgian guy, right? He used to tell me stories about uh, being an apprentice during the Second World War getting bombed in fucking Belgium Damn. while he was making English muffins. Think about that. <laughs> Anytime you're having a hard service out there, right. just think about that. The right. bomb's going off, this guy's doing service. But yo, to this day, the finest sourdough English muffins I have ever had in my entire life. That's very cool. He made it like Polish style, you know, where like part sourdough, part yeast, <clears throat> yeah. part dry yeast. Um, to this day, the best, I still have not been able to recreate that, but yeah, started working when I was 14. And then when I was 15, I was lucky enough to work for a chef named Pete Morenzi, who honestly molded me, learned and taught me how to be a chef, how to push, how to fucking work, what it was to lead from the front. And I was lucky enough, uh, to have that experience as a young, as a young man. And he still owns his restaurant now, right? Yeah, man. I mean, he's not on the line anymore, but I mean, him and uh, him and Richard, one of no our best way, friends. Richard. Fuck yeah, no, dude. Crazy. They got the bitter end in Wells, and uh, he just sold. Uh, he sold that Mexican restaurant that they had for a minute, but Pier seventy seven. He sold. He sold his other restaurant. Now they just got bitter end. Him and Kate, but I mean Pete and Kate Morenci. I mean they're, you know, unbelievably influential restaurant duo in southern Maine and uh, I mean they're the type of people that they first opened their restaurant in 2002 and today they still the majority of the people that work for them have worked for them for over 10 years whoa yeah I'll never forget the way I got that job right Uh, I was working at a spot called Hurricanes Restaurant right I was a dishwasher over there and uh, I fucking hated it (laughs) And I literally, uh, that was the first job I ever just no-call, no-showed into because I was washing dishes and I was like, fuck it. First and last job, I hope. First and last, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Everybody's got to do that at I was some like, point. fuck it, I'd rather smoke weed and go to the skate park. <laughs> <laughs> 
But no joke, so uh, I lost that job, but that job sucked anyways. And then legitimately, I just fucking went through the phone book and started calling restaurants, right? Calling every restaurant, asking they had... Because at that point, I'd wash dishes and I knew how to use a knife, so I thought I wanted to be a job. I was like, oh shit, I can get a job as a prep cook. So I'll never forget it to this day, going through the fucking phone book, found it. See, it was still listed under Seascape's restaurant in the phone book because Pete hadn't fucking changed it yet. I'll never, to this day, I know the number like the back of my hand, 9678500. Called that phone number when I was 15. Pete called me back, said, hey, you want to come in for an interview? Rolled in there. My hair was looking crazy as shit. <laughs> and this dude fucking, he looked at me and he said, hey, I don't have a prep cook position, but will you work your ass off and wash dishes for me? And I promise you I will teach you how to cook yeah and that was it and I said fuck yeah man and you know that's the kind of chef proprietor that you know is nowadays I don't want to say a rarity but you know that was the guy that he would clean the staff bathroom that was his job you know what I mean before he ever asked any other person to do it he did it like a true you know, nailed his fucking nailed his colors to the mast and led from the front. Damn. Chef, that's fucking awesome. So you're yeah. still in contact with him. You, you know? Oh, I love that guy to this day. That is my mentor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've worked for other people. I have had other uh, other people that have taught me a lot. But um, you know, I think. Whatever, my personal opinion is the term mentorship is thrown around a little too easily these days. Yeah. But that man truly was invested in and and invested in my success. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. So where did you get the inspiration to go to Johnson Wales? Where where did that come into play? I mean, legitimately, I just got to go to college. I was just fucking cooking, yeah. Because you you were a smart guy, man. You were an honor student. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm I'm sitting over here with an average (laughs) average of 68. Like I don't know, you know. (laughs) This cooking thing better work out, right? I gotta sell some ass. Well, uh, you know, my mom. uh, I'm, you know, my family. My mom, unbelievably intelligent woman, and. Her only rule, she had very few rules, but her only rule was we had to go to college because she never had, you know, her whole thing was she never had that opportunity and she always felt that that was the thing that held her back. Yeah. And so she told all of us we had to go to school, but I always knew I was going to be a chef ever since I was a fucking kid. Mm-hmm. And I cooked, you know, by the time I was a senior in high school, I've been cooking professionally for four years, you know, which, you know, you don't need culinary school. I will say that. I might be ruffling some people's feathers but you don't need it and so um you know but my mom was like listen Tyler like my wish like the one thing my mom wanted from me was to go to college so I went to college got it done you know what I mean got the scholarships went to college (laughs) and for me it was uh the culinary school that was in New England yeah uh, I went there on a fucking weekend. Me and my dad went down there to go check it out. And I don't know if you did it when you were down there, but literally they did this thing where it was like an open house and you could like apply while you were there. Yeah. Went there, applied, got fucking accepted. While <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, then, then I went through the open house and I was like, "Well, shit, this makes my my life a hell of a lot easier." 
That's fucking awesome. So there you go. So after that, uh, that was my uh, trajectory. So Denise. Oh, let's talk about her. What? What? Uh-oh. So a, a really cool fact that I know about her is that she was the PR person for Liberace. That's a fact. Yeah, there it was my mom. Yeah. And then what? What was was her work in that realm of things? Yeah, I mean, dude, like a publicist. I mean, she is uh, unbelievable woman. Honestly, to this day, the the you know, obviously, I'm biased because it's my mom, but you know, she is like the smartest, one of the most driven, most impressive individuals that I've ever met. Honestly, you know, like yeah. she, you know, was never like a successful business person or whatever. But like, if you met her on a person to person level. She comes across every single time like that, you know. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, she uh, worked worked her way up in New York City, fucking from zero, and got to be um, one of the managers of Liberace when he was at his fucking height. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's honestly that's how my dad and my mom met. Oh, because right. my great uncle was his. Uh, talent agent was Liberace's talent agent. Uh huh. Yeah. Whoa. And so my great uncle Roger is my dad's on my dad's side. Uh huh. And Roger obviously was working with my mom, and my mom notoriously would argue with Roger all the time because she didn't like his fucking ideas. Yeah. <laughs> of course. So he said. Uh, apparently, he was like, "Yeah, you should you should meet my nephew," and that's how my dad and mom. <laughs> he was like. <laughs> He's like, I got this guy that you really won't like his ideas, but he's really nice. You know? <laughs> it's like, that's awesome. Um, and then your your sister's doing big things. Oh, I see man. her right now. She's traveling out there. Uh, my sister is literally the mo- the most intelligent human that I've ever met. And I said that about your mom. What what is? No, no, no. My mom. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, she's going to Oxford. Full ride. That's fucking awesome. Fucking smile. And I see her traveling, you know, yeah. she's doing her thing. Yep. Not not to brag or anything, but I fed her her best meal she ever had in her life. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, that's true. Yeah. She did say that. Dry tortillas. That's a fact. And seared fish, baby. That's it. And, chef, don't forget seared meat as well. It oh, yeah, a, that's right. It was a, a little steak. Serpent turf. It was a pile of steak, <laughs> a pile of halibut, and fucking dry tortillas. She it was, was delicious, though. Literally, to this day, still talks about it. <laughs> she was like, that was the greatest shit I've ever had in my life. <laughs> mm. How about your brother? What is he doing right now? When's the last time I saw him? Oh, yeah, when he told, he told me about that underground Oakland drug lab that they had. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, he was out here. I've tried to go like two more times, and every time I go, they're like, yeah, I got busted up. Can't, can't come. So I'm like, I stopped trying. But it's pretty really? interesting. Yeah. It's like a dispensary in there, and they're yeah. playing loud-ass trap music, and there's mushrooms and weed, and there's just like... Dope. You're like, if I'm caught in here, like they're going to blame me for this. <laughs> throw all this. They're going to be like, this guy is the one that like, all this shit. So I'm just like, you know, it's a little scary going, so right. last, time, last time I try to go, I'm like, nah, I'm not Yeah, avoid it, yeah. yeah. So... 
When we were in Rhode Island, we moved to the, the east side from the south side. That's a fact. That was yeah. a godsend. That was amazing. That was a game changer. Yeah. I remember I would order from that United Barbecue place around the yeah. corner. Yeah. And I'd I have them deliver it. And mm. after a while, they started dodging my phone calls because they were like, it's so They're close, like, motherfucker. Like, yeah. Tired of fucking, tired of bringing it over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. He'd come to the door all upset. Yeah, like, yo, it. we're right down the street. I'd be like, well, they lost my business. Yeah, you know what I mean? Not willing to go above and beyond for the for the customer. Listen, listen, it's yeah. about customer service. <laughs> so hospitality. You had a couple internships in Rhode Island, right? You went to uh, yeah. What was it, Castle? Yeah, we went to. I went to Castle Hill. Castle Hill, that's right. In fucking Newport. That's an institution. Dude. Newport, Rhode yeah, Island. Newport. I was down there. Uh, we did a dinner there with Chef Jake Rojas back in the day. Shout out to Chef Jake. Dude, Rojas, man. Yeah. Legend. The, the man. Yeah. Um, and their, their setup is cool, man. The downstairs, yeah. upstairs, kitchen. The oh, yeah. Room. That was a sexy place, man. Yeah, and honestly, Cliff. I wish I had uh, been in, you know, but at the time, I mean, what was that, 20? We were fucking 20? Uh... I remember that, right? They offered you the job? Is that what happened? Yeah, I mean, they offered me a job, but, you and know... You were like, fuck that, dude. I was going to school yeah, or whatever, but... You know, and driving all the way over there, but... I mean, it was a cool place. They got great chefs over there. That guy, uh... Fuck, I don't know his name. John. Chef John over at Castle Hill was the man. Chef Jen. Yeah. She was awesome, too. Super impressive. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was the first time I've ever been exposed to, like, a true, like, fine dining. Because I was used to, you know, uh, 400 covers, yeah, slinging pans, getting yeah. it done. Yeah. And I remember I, uh, I was working at Garbage Station, and I said, oh, yeah, you know, I got all that shit for the, for the, for the salad, for that salad tonight. And I'll never forget, Chef Jen looked at me, and she was like, Tyler, don't you ever fucking call your mise en place shit and I was like oh damn yeah that was that's the like first the same, time same thing with the calling the dish station the dish pit exactly like it's not a pit it's a station exactly or calling towels rags yeah they are not rags or uh scrap trim right you know what I mean it like doesn't that, exist yeah. roasted for that yes um. <laughs> yes exactly uh, <laughs> so Castle Hill and yep. then where else did you work at uh, that was honestly that was it, and then oh, after the that, I worked at fucking yeah, it was a, a lunch. Rizzy. Oh shit, that was a dope job. That was a dope job. That was a dope ass. Just job. artistic ladies just all, all around. There's like seventy percent girls at that amazing at that fucking spot. Amazing, yeah. dude. Being yeah. a lunch lady, just serving all day long. That's right, dude. Going to school. That was and so during that time, right. Uh, every single weekend or every single every school year right we would work during the school year or whatever but during the summer I'd always go home and work at Pier 77 for Pete every single year right so that year um, I was exposed to and one of the things that personally I do feel like I've been always blessed with is people that are always hungry for knowledge you know and um, I was working with a dude named John Bagley, right? Who introduced me to this book called Heat. Have you read Heat by Bill Buford? Mm-hmm. You should read it. Okay. So, um, when I was twenty, introduced me to this book called Heat, right? And Heat was the first book that I ever 
heard in about Michelin star restaurants, right? Yeah. And so in that book, Heat, he has an entire chapter dedicated to Marco Pierre White. And oh yeah, I remember that's when we found out about him. And that's when we found out about I him. I found out about him through you. Exactly. You were like, yo, look at this guy. And I was right. like, what? Yeah. And and so that was the man who truly allowed me to understand. And that was the same year. Honestly, for me, that was that year. It was like 2009 or something like that, where I was truly exposed to the idea of like real fine dining. Yeah. Then the like, French Laundry Cookbook came out. Yeah, the out. French Laundry Cookbook. What year was that? Well, the cook French Laundry Cookbook came out in like 99. But I didn't... I had no well, we, that's what I'm saying. We had we no didn't know what it was when it like showed up. We were like, we were what like, the fuck? what is this? Yeah. yeah. And so, Red Heat, Bill Buford, he has an entire chapter dedicated to working with Marco Pierre White. And I'll never forget. There's a there's a there's a scene where he like he's just talking about working with Marco, and Marco's that guy who's like super just like you know unbelievably fucking dedicated art artist. Yeah. You know, for lack of a better word, of cuisine. And so he's eating with Marco at one of his restaurants and Marco Pierre White is, you know, having a roast pigeon with fucking parsley sauce or something like that. And he's like thinking about, he's looking at the plate and he's like, why the fuck is this like this? And then why the fuck is this like this? And then how the fuck is this going on? And he's like, and why is there so much goddamn parsley on my fucking sauce over here? <laughs> and I just remember thinking about that and being like, damn, there is a level of cuisine that exists where those details are unbelievably important, you know? And so, honestly, it was after that that I truly started, and as with you, you know, we we fucking tackled it together. I'll never forget, but, like, that's when we started studying greatness. Exactly. Right? We started studying great fucking chefs and what they did, and mostly their mentality, and honestly, the thing that is always... uh, picked up upon for people like ourselves kind of the self masochists or whatever is um well step one is playing with sleep deprival right yeah that's step one <laughs> so what, what, we, what we started what we started doing was fucking waking up at five thirty a.m yeah, to go right. to school going to school all day getting out of school i had a job uh again as a fucking working the lunch line at a college but I would work fucking lunch line until midnight Mm -hmm. and then come home and sleep for five hours and that was the first time in my life and I know you did the the exact same thing where we started playing and toying with sleep deprival which is step one always (laughs) we're just like no we were watching The Sopranos at that time (laughs) remember we'd be like one more episode no Mm -hmm. it's like two in the morning Mm -hmm. like fuck it let's do one more exactly we gotta wake up at six exactly Jesus but then you, but then it trains your brain, and so honestly, like uh, learning to think that being in the shit was cool <laughs> was dope. And then at that time too, I also started staging. I mean, I staged at what was that spot in Providence that everyone would go to with Matt? Uh, what was his name? Oh, uh, Gracie's. 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 Yeah. yeah, that's right. I remember. I remember I, that. Yeah. Yeah, I staged at Gracie's. I was there for I think two weeks and. You know, Matt at the time told me that, you know, I can't, you know, you can't go to school and do this at the same time and blah, blah, blah. But it was cool because that was the first, that was the first like real place that I went to where, you know, the cooks were working 14 hours a day and they were pushing and they yeah. came in and they were true chef de parties, you know, like, like taking care of their own station. Um, 
And that shit was impressive, man. Very impressive. Maddie Varga. Maddie That's Varga. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, it's crazy. The first restaurant I worked at, Trattoria Simpatico, yep. who Charlie Apple got yep. me the job. Big up to yep. Charlie Apple. Um, was used, He used to work there as a line cook. No shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, he was on the grill station. So I remember like, because all this was happening with you when I got there, they were like, oh yeah, he used to work the grill station. I was like, wow. Nice. Like, I'm working the same station as this person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was cool, man. Shout out to Matty. I haven't seen him in a a long time, but... Yeah. Last time I saw him, it was good. Yeah. It was, uh... They used to do, uh... Like, a potluck barbecue every October. Yeah. For all the chefs in Rhode Island. Yeah. Me, Chef Jake and I used to go all the time. Right. Well, that's the thing is, the chefs in Rhode Island there are... That's a huge community, man. man. for sure. I mean, that's a small-ass state. You know, but... That's a fact. Like forty five minutes to either end. <laughs> Motherfuckers be complaining about driving twenty minutes. <laughs> but so you did a couple stars at Gracie's. You worked as a lunch lady, and then I remember when we graduated, <laughs> I had uh, I had dreadlocks. Oh yes, and we had yes. everyone at the party cut one dreadlock. Cut a fucking off. dread, man. That was cool. Yes, that was cool. And then uh, beautiful hair. We had a. Uh, we had an empanada lady. Oh, my yeah, God. you remember that? Oh, I loved oh, her. Dude. Oh, what is... She would set up uh, that place. I know. Malachy's. I'm forgetting her name, but so much love for her. Oh, my God. Empanadas. Yes. We'd go there every Friday, Saturday, every Sunday. Every fucking Friday, uh, Saturday, Sunday. She came out, catered that party. Yeah. We she did a great job, man. She, Unbelievable. It was really fun. Product. Yeah. And, uh... Sad that we don't get to eat those anymore. I oh, wonder if man. she's still making them. She used to date like a newscaster or something. Like, yo, her, her husband, husband was like a weatherman. Her husband is like a big fucking deal. Yeah, he was like a politician. That's dude. right. Well, that's kind of how it works in Rhode Island. I feel like it's like everyone's a politician. <laughs> like you remember? Well, you remember how our uh, you remember how our uh, our landlord? What was dude's name? Oh, uh, what's his name? Damn, I forgot his name. That's so sad. That man. Let me pay my rent in weed. With a Z. Yeah. I give him an ounce of weed. Rent was $416. $416. For a house. You for that? a fucking house with a backyard. Basement. Basement. First floor, second first floor. floor. Second floor. Backyard. Remember when uh, it, uh, we were growing that weed out back? Of course. And then we had we had a situation where these guys scare. drew attention to the house and we were freaked out. So yeah. we climbed back there and cut it down. Yeah, we had a scare. Yeah. It was sad. That but was a crazy. That uh, was a crazy night. For sure. But yeah, his buddy was the mayor of Cranston, and he said, "That's hey, right, boys, Mayor Alan Fong." Alan Fong. Uh, Alan Fong. Yep. And he said, "If you boys ever get in trouble, you just call me." And That's I'll right. Call well, Alan you remember Fong. our house got broken into, of course. And then he's like, "I'm gonna give you a security system." We're like, "Oh shit, we we don't have any money to pay for that." He's like, "Don't worry about it." Yeah. We're just gonna put this security system in. I'm gonna pay for it. Right. You guys just keep those ounces coming. Keep hilarious. the rent paid and we're good. Fucking hilarious. You remember that? Of course. He'd show up with like black eyes. He's right. like that guy would go out drinking, be a dick, and just get punched in the face. Right. And like, go collect his rent the next day. Right. Jesus. But um. So then you uh, Pauzarella. Yeah, Pauzarella. There you go. There you, Pauzarella. Fucking shout man. out to you, dude. Shout out to Pauzarella. Yeah, Paul, you man, are the man. Made it best landlord I ever had in my fucking life. Fucking greatest landlord yeah. ever. I'm sorry, daddy. That's my landlord now. I'm not apologizing to anyone. <laughs> I hate every landlord I've ever had. 
That's right. You've been you've been fucked over by some landlords. Listen, but, 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 I just am not a fan of landlords. But I, it's fine. That's not, that's not, I'm sorry for all you landlords out there. <laughs> In case anybody's owning. Actually, land. Tim and Unji, Tim and Unji are are the shit. Okay, the shit. All right, there but go. they're no longer my landlords. But I love them. But besides them, yeah, fuck all. <laughs> So then you fucking moved away from me. You yes. went to New York City. Yes, pursuing the dream. That's right. Uh, gotta, I went, tra- gotta chase the dream, baby. You know, and that is at that time I felt like pressure. You know, because right. you were leaving, and I was like, man, I'm still working at this place, Victoria Simpatico. You know, don't get me wrong, it wasn't a bad restaurant, but it was like I need more. Yeah. And then I found Tallulah and Thames. I found Jake Rojas. You know, <laughs> so. I started working for him, and then yep. at that same time, you went to Dovetail, right? Yeah, I started at Dovetail. How was that? With how was John mo- Frazier. How was moving to New York? How Fucking was like your crazy. first week in New York? Fucking crazy. Like, well, the thing that was dope is that my brother lived there. Oh, sick. So oh, I that's moved, right. You lived with him first. Yeah, I moved to New uh, York and literally slept on my brother's couch for three months, four months. Literally would sleep on his couch, wake up, go to work fucking work that that was when i first started working you know 13 14 15 hour shifts you know on your feet all day transporting on the subway um but it was beautiful man honestly that shit was beautiful like i would never trade it for anything being a young cook you know at that time the only thing i filled my brain with was that Information, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. cuisine, just fucking watching whatever videos I could watch, reading any cookbooks I could read. And the thing that was amazing about Dovetail that I really personally I was very blessed with is that that was a restaurant where Chef de Partiz operated as true Chef de Partiz. So, like, when you worked the fish station at Dovetail, you ordered all the fish, you butchered all the fish. You had a Comey chef, like a entre matier, right? Yeah. So ordering the fish. Yeah. So you were a true chef de partie. So if you were at the fish station there, you ordered all the fish. You worked with the purveyors. You learned how to calculate. You know, uh, it was an a la carte restaurant. Yeah. So the the but the rule was you didn't eighty six anything. So you had to learn how to play that game. Ride you know the what bus. I mean? Ride the fucking wave, Ride the man. Fucking bus. Ride that shit. You're like, I made it. It's Saturday night. You're right, like, exactly. oh shit, tomorrow's Sunday. I can't right. get no can't, fish. No more fish. I gotta yes. stop by the market and tell no Ex- one. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, no. But dude, and you learn how to cut fish. We made all the sauces. Um <coughs> I mean honestly, shout out to John Fraser. I've got a lot of respect for that guy. As a chef, he he um the restaurant that he ran in the kitchen that he ran was the type that was just a fucking training ground, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you learn how to be an excellent operator and an excellent chef in that environment. And he he created that environment, you know? And he pushed the shit out of us. He had he he had uh, unrelenting standards. Yeah. And fucking taught you how to push, man, and and that's all that mattered. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That and then, beautiful. how long were you there? Uh, I was there for two years. I was there for two years. But my ultimate goal was always to work at the French Laundry. To yeah. me, at that time, it was like the laundry was that place where you had, in my opinion, this is before 
Um, I mean, um, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but when I started at the French Laundry, that was the only three Michelin star restaurant in California. California, that's right. Every, all the, all the Michelins, the Michelin Guide really only existed on the East Coast. The only reason it existed on the West Coast was just to give TFL three fucking stars, (laughs) you know? Besides that, there was nothing. Now, there's what, like seven three Michelin star restaurants or something? But um, but you did you go to Dovetail knowing that he was trained by Keller? Of course, yeah. Okay, uh huh. Yeah, and you knew that you were going to use that as a, as a hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, because I I'm a very linear brain yeah, individual. Yeah. I've always been that way. Where it's like I'm not very good at uh, being creative. I guess, <laughs> but I will outwork the fuck out of anyone, yeah. and I will find a way to do things more efficiently. All right. And I can refine shit. Okay. You know what I mean? Very but cool. not necessarily the most creative thing. <laughs> <laughs> we all got to stretch some weight. But I fucking focus. use that to my advantage. I'm a workhorse. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's it. So how did you put that uh, to your chef at the time? Were you like, yo, get me a stage at the French Laundry? Yeah. Basically? So honestly, he initiated the conversation. I had been working there for, you know, 18 months and, you know, coming in, pushing every day, worked from a Comey to the meat station. And then when I was on the meat station working as a tournant, he said, hey, Tyler, I want to bring you on as a sous chef, bring you on as a kitchen manager. And at that point, uh, you know, again, uh, White Heat, honestly, to this day, is my favorite culinary book of all time. But, you know, uh, Marco Pierre White was never a sous chef anywhere. He never had a fucking management position mm-hmm. anywhere. And so... Honestly, I always looked at sous chefs as fucking assholes. Yeah, yeah. As like those guys that never had the balls to go out and do it themselves. Yeah. And always got stuck working for someone else and then becoming bitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And getting mad at the fucking system. So, you know, honestly, he asked me if I wanted to be a sous chef. And instead of being like, oh, dope, I've got, I'm fucking 21 years old. And this guy is asking me to be a kitchen manager in his Michelin star restaurant in New York City. I turned him down. And I said, to be honest, John, I have always wanted to work at the French Laundry. So instead of accepting your offer to be a sous chef, can I reverse this conversation and ask you to assist me with getting to where I want to go? Yeah, yeah. And honestly, and that's that's the thing that, you know, I have a lot of respect for John because when I was, Pete, right, always told me that a true chef is invested in his cooks, right? Yeah. So the ones that come in, work for him every single day, put the fucking work in, do this and that, it is then the chef's responsibility to assist them in their career goals. Oh, you know? sure. Yeah. And that's the beauty of working in a restaurant, you know, especially with people like, you know, in fine dining, everyone has those bigger goals and aspirations, which is very rare. You know, and honestly, now that I've kind of stepped out of the fine dining kitchen for a couple of years, you truly realize that, like, when you are in that area, like, the people that come in and work for you have hopes and dreams. And if they put in the fucking time with you, I agree with Pete. Like, it is your duty to assist them to fucking get where they need to go, you know? And that's why I love John Frazier, man, because that dude, without hesitation... Not one iota of fucking hesitation said no problem. And it, just like that, it wasn't even about, 
like, oh no, I need you to work for me for this long or blah, 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 or this and that. It, literally, the guy pulled his fucking phone out and texted Tim Hollingsworth right then and there. Yeah. Got me a stage lined up and I fucking flew to California and did a stage of the French Laundry. Just like that. Very cool. Yeah, and it and was... Then- then you stars for how many days? Yeah, so honestly, I stars for one day. How was your stars? It was like fucking walking awesome. In. Yeah, it was awesome. Were you fuck? I bet you were shitting up. Boy. I was. It was crazy. Oh. But it, you want to know something crazy, right? Is that when I went to the French Laundry for my stage, the fucking I walked in there, right? And this was back with the old kitchen, right? The kitchen that's in the cookbook, like the the fuck. Yeah, it's yeah. the most romantic place. So, I'm coming from New York City, and the one thing I will never forget is that I roll up, I get out of my car, and the planters for all the fucking trees in Yachtville are rosemary. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I will never forget that because I got out of the car, and I'm like, what type of culinary garden of fucking Eden (laughs) is this over here? You're like, these niggas got... (laughs) Rosemary everywhere What the fuck Dude seriously And there's garden And it's just like It's the most romantic thing So you know I walk up to the copper door Open up the copper door No joke The kid that's walking Towards the door At the French Laundry On the day of my stage Is A kid that I grew up with I don't even know if I ever told you this Oh that's right Scotty Nichols Scotty Nichols Scotty fucking Nichols What was his nickname Fucking Scott Nickel. Damn. Love that kid. So we used to skate back in the day. The skate scene in Maine is very, very tight-knit community. That's right, yeah. And so, I mean, he lived fucking an hour and a half from where I grew up. But we all knew each other. And so, yeah, he was working the fish station. And so once Tim once Tim uh, Hollingsworth heard that me and Scotty knew each other, he paired me up with Scott for my stash. And so I worked with Scott all day for my stash. Whoa. And it was fucking awesome, man. I mean, the laundry is, um, it really is just one of those unbelievable institutions. You know what I mean? It's a fucking, it's a, it's an institution. And I showed up, I was able to be a part of the fucking brigade and be a part of service. And, you know, it was one of those. It wasn't one of those three Michelin star restaurants where they have this gigantic brigade and everyone's just kind of chilling and there's fucking five comies on every section. Like, there was a chef de partie on each section and there was no one else to help them out. Yeah. And everyone is so in the shit and it is just the fucking energy and the push and the quality of the ingredients and the fucking standards is just unbelievable but yeah I'll never forget made the Bermonte that day for fucking service that was the first time I've ever seen like 35 pounds of Bermonte made at once whoa that shit was crazy Damn. fucking crazy yeah 35 pounds of Bermonte every fucking day that's how much we would make Ugh. 35 pounds Fucking wild. I mean, you never thought in your life <laughs> as a chef de partie on the fish station, as a poissonnier, that you would be in the shit cutting butter. Yeah, exactly. But chef, let me tell you, you cut 35 pounds of fucking butter for Bermonte every day, you are in the juice. Just cutting butter. <laughs> Man. So, you worked there for a total of how many years? At the laundry. Yeah. Five years. Five years. Yeah. And so, 
at the time you got the job, I remember yeah. getting the news from Charlie Apple. Because really? I think it was uh, Sean O'Hara who had figured it out. Like somebody knew and they were like, hey, did you know that? I was like, no fucking way. So I call you and you're like, yo, I'm going to the French Laundry. I was like, what? I remember being so fucking proud of you, man. Like so excited that you were going to this place that we regarded as an institution. You know? Right. And part of me was like, well, if I don't fucking make it, I know he will. So... I'm gonna fucking mooch off of him if he ever makes it. So I'm like, I, just, I, I become shit. I'm going to Tyler's house. Man. So you know, I, I do my time at Tallulah's and then uh, uh, I'm about to leave Tallulah's and then I, you fucking give me a call and you're like, "Hey, why don't you come out here?" Yeah. And I fucking we were going on our uh, winter break that year and I took a road trip. Uh, with my girlfriend at the time, and we ended up in Napa. Yep, I fucking love Napa. Oh man, I when I Napa. went up there, it was like, damn, I could yeah. live here. Yep, you know, and that was I remember because we went to New Orleans, fucking yep. Dallas, Texas, oh, like yeah, all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like I didn't feel at home anywhere, but when I got to Napa, I was like, man, like I could live here. Yep. You know, and then uh, I remember leaving and just keep that thought in me, mm-hmm. and then after a mm-hmm. while. When we got back, I was like, I'm moving out there. Yeah. But to be honest, I was like, look, like, I knew I had good skills coming from Jake Rojas' kitchen, but I knew that I was not, like, you know, uh, formed enough. Right. So, I almost, like, didn't want to work at the French Laundry because I was like, I can't fucking be getting yelled at in front of Tyler all day. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is not right. Like, he's right. going to lose all types of respect for me. You know, <laughs> this is me at 22. I'm like, I can't do that. You know? <laughs> so I'm like, all right, if anybody's going to lose respect for me, it's going to be the restaurant at Meadowood, the only other three-star kitchen that there is in California. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember, like, going to your house and being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to stop at the restaurant at Meadowood. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to walk there tomorrow. And I didn't realize that Napa's like this long valley and it takes <laughs> 30 minutes to fucking drive there. And it's I'm like, the oh, classic, fuck. the classic just getting, but hold up. Can I interject? Yeah, yeah So ahead. basically, so this is how the story goes. So basically, <laughs> I'm working at the laundry. At the time, I'm the fish chef de partie over there. And Dave calls me up and says, hey, you know, it's time, like, I'm, I need to take my career to the next level and you know I'm like fucking right let's do it you know so this fool buys a one way plane ticket <laughs> okay no no job no fucking job opportunities lined up one way plane ticket staying on my fucking floor at my house right no no other place to stay my girlfriend at the time is like who the fuck like this kid bought a one way plane ticket how long is he staying with us what else are you doing? I'm like, listen, shut up. You know uh, what yeah, I mean? Like, I might have fucked up your little relationship. I don't care, while. but <laughs> that's for the best. But anyways, uh, all good, right? One-way plane ticket, no job opportunity lined up, comes out, literally just relies on the fucking knock on the door, right? The, the will. The fucking the will willpower. to work. And honestly, that is something that, you know, there is no way to calculate uh persistence mm-hmm. you know and it's interesting i just picked up uh the new laundry cookbook yeah yeah, yeah yeah and honestly tk has a whole chapter or not chapter a little blurb about how he talks about ambition versus persistence right and i i personally disagree with him on what he says with ambition 
because I know he says some chefs get ahead of themselves with how ambitious they are. Personally, I disagree with that, but I will agree with what he's saying. Persistence is honestly the most important trait that you can have as a chef, and I will say as a fucking person. You know what I mean? Like as a man. As That's a what gets the man. ladies. <laughs> there you go. Persistence, baby. Persistence. You gotta persuade them. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, dude, there is something to be said about everyone is gonna fucking tell you you can't do it. Everyone. Yeah. And and if you look at anyone that's ever been successful, uh, no one ever tells you, no one ever, well, there will be a very small percentage of people that support you when you go out and try something new, right? What were we talking about? Go. Persistence? Persistence. Well, I mean, anytime you try to do something new, right, there's going to be a very, very small percentage of people that will support you, right? But the vast majority of people, I'm not going to say they will will actively not support you or say that they don't support you, but they won't support what you're doing. You know yeah. what I mean? They'll just kind of be neutral. You know what I mean? But as I'm saying is to persist through that and to push through it is a quality that you can't train but literally is the fucking difference between those that do it and those that don't, you know? Because yeah. you're always going to get kicked in the fucking teeth. All the time. Every single goddamn time that you try to do anything. And then you're going to fail and fail and fail and fail. And as I'm ranting on, <clears throat> the one thing, right, that our industry, which at some point we'll take a turn in this fucking conversation talk about our industry, but the one thing that... Our industry fails at and something that I personally am taking responsibility on myself, the company that I've built, the business partners that I have, the direction that we want it to take is that chefs and restaurant people, um, you know, we have to be more comfortable with attempting something new and potentially failing, right? Yeah. Which... These other these other industries, especially the tech industry, we're out here near Silicon Valley. Like these fools have a fail fast mentality. They they embrace failure. They mm-hmm. embrace moving quickly. But failure isn't this stagnant situation. It's hey, move forward, fail, learn, move forward. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's a problem that our industry has. And uh, for example, COVID has fucking destroyed our industry because it caught our industry flat-footed. Yeah. And too many chefs are not willing to be dynamic enough and now have lost their fucking businesses. But yeah. that's I mean, me some people going obviously don't, don't have the control and lost their business with things that are... Right, right, right. Control. Sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say it like that. But I guess what I'm saying is, is that chefs need to invest in other forms to be completely honest in other revenue streams other than their brick and mortar restaurants yeah for sure the restaurant industry as a whole and being a chef when you're a chef you are a business person right and so you have to understand having a a a fucking diversified income stream yeah right as opposed to just oh I've got you know what I mean? Uh, restaurants, it has to be 
more than that. You know yeah, what I mean? And, sure. and and just we as an industry, it used to be restaurants because you know Keller had the laundry, and he's right. like, I need a money maker to mm. fund this one. Mm. So let me let me do Bouchon, which mm. is what I think. It's on my opinion. You know, mm. there's no telling. Somebody probably went to the guy and said, "Hey, you do this good. Let's do a bistro." Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh, and I'm not saying anything like we should have multiple restaurants. And I'm not saying anything bad like the chefs that do it do it unbelievable, unbelievably well. But the thing that I do think that our industry has a lack of is ingenuity. Like I can be a chef, right? I am still a chef, mm-hmm. okay? Me, Tyler Vorst, 2020, whatever it is, November 2020, I am a chef. No one can ever fucking take that away from me. I've been working every day since I was 14 years old as a chef, right? Uh, I haven't worked in a what? Don't tell. Oh, class. I haven't worked in a profession. <laughs> I haven't worked in a professional kitchen in a couple of years. That doesn't not make me a chef, right? And our industry has to learn that we can have a diversified menu of options, mm-hmm. right? I am. Uh, mark my words. 10 years from now, I'm going to have my fucking restaurant. It is going to have accolades. I am going to train the next generation of fucking culinarians, right? That is my duty to my fucking industry. But from now until then, I have to spend my time allowing myself to to benefit my industry in a in diversifying the options available, mm-hmm. right? To the next generation of culinarians and that's yeah, per, pers- what you're doing with uh, and, and that's what yeah. that's what we're doing right now and so I, I I believe very very strongly about this because you know our industry currently like you and like me we spend all our lives becoming these great chefs which is very important but then when it's time to go out and especially in the pre-covid world right it's an unbelie- unbelievably competitive culinary landscape mm-hmm. There are more talented chefs in this country than ever before. Banks will not lend you money to open a fucking restaurant, right? So we have to go and ask some other rich guy to give us money to have our project, and then all of a sudden, I'm a prisoner in my own space, right? So why, as chefs, we're intelligent enough to fucking make the finest cuisine in the world change the fucking menu all the time, motivate a team, get everything done every single day, but somehow we're not fucking intelligent enough to make enough money to fund our own projects. I don't I don't see the validity in that. I'm yeah. going to go I'm going to go prove that wrong. So, you know, uh, that's me going off on a tangent. <laughs> but sorry. I mean, dude, I had, to, I had to fucking, <laughs> I had to fucking rant a little bit. So that's why we started Truffle Shuffle, I'm right? Not editing any of that out. All don't right. fucking it's fucking in there. Leave all right? it. I don't give a Leave fuck. It. Don't right. edit that. But <laughs> literally, that's why we started Truffle Shuffle, right? Yeah. That that is what. And I know Truffle Shuffle has a fucking, you know. It's uh, the kid in the Goonies. <laughs> hey. You know, fucking doing the trouble Fuck shuffle. It. But if you think of it, in the Goonies, it's a bunch of misfit kids seeking the treasure to save their fucking neighborhood, right? We're a bunch of misfit chefs seeking the treasure to save our fucking industry. That's how I truly see the project that we have started. Word up, man. Mm-hmm. Word up. Yep. So, so before we get to that project, yes. you're at the French Laundry. Oh, yeah. I get to California. Mm. 
Go to the, the restaurant on Meadowood. Yes. Luckily, Chef Costa gives me a job. <laughs> Doesn't kick you out. Thank God. He oh, not, my this, God, dude. Dave knocks on the back door. <laughs> no stage. No fucking anything lined up. Literally wakes up, is like, yo, I'm going to go to Meadowood. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> but Look, Tom gave me a ride. Tom gave you Tom a fucking gave me ride. A ride up there. And he, so, he's like, all right, I'm going to wait here for five minutes. If you come back outside, then I know you don't have the job. But if you don't come back outside, I know you're in there stopping. Sink or swim. I was like, do it. I was like, I loved it. I loved That's it. That's the shit. And uh, I remember when I got there, Chef Cat came to the back. And he was like, Chef Katiana Hong. Yeah. Shout out to Chef Cat. Yeah. The, the god. Badass, um, yeah. She comes to the back door and she kind of does like this baseball, kind of like puts her hands on her knees and I'm like, huh. You know what I mean? I don't think... And nobody's ever walked to the back of the kitchen. So she's like, who is this crazy motherfucker? Right here? <laughs> you remember Howard? Of course. Howard Love was Howard the one Co. that walked me from the car. I know. From Tom's to the fucking back of the restaurant. And he's all like buttering me up. Like, oh yeah, you're Tyler's boy, right? Yeah, right, right. Like, I, I fucking wore canapé with Tyler at the laundry. Like yeah, all yeah. this and that. Uh, shout out to Howard. He's got a restaurant in... Uh, what is that? Dubai. Dubai. Dubai, that's right. Fucking kicking ass out there. Love you, Howard. Um, but uh, Howard Cope, the man. Um, and he had also worked with Chef Kat and Chef John and Melise. Oh, and Melise, yeah. yeah. back in L.A. So yes. there's a lot of history out here. You there know is, I mean? yeah. And uh, so she brings me inside. And, and I guess years later, I found out that he was, you know, buttering me up outside. He walks inside. He's like, I don't know who that motherfucker is. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> straight up. I'm like, Howard, oh, how, how could you? How come could on, you? dude? Yeah. So... Um, <coughs> So I get the job, thank God, and then I remember uh, I moved out of your, your place, Yep. and you were at the laundry still, and then what happened after that? Uh, you got a job, and you started working That's every right. single fucking and day. I, I never <laughs> saw you, even though we lived in the same fucking town. Yeah, we lived in the same we town. Lived, like, I, then you slept on my couch for a little bit. Oh, I did, That's yeah, right. I did. Then, then, our, then our, fucking, then our right. positions changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, had to had to leave the the nest. Yeah, Tyler, Tyler was astray for a little while. So yeah, I was astray. Dave took me in. Took you. I was in. on the inflatable. That's right. That's for a fucking right. couple months. That was fun. That was awesome. And yeah. then uh, you got a you got an apartment to yourself. Um, yeah. And then uh, you became a sous chef. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. how did that all happen? Like, did you know it was coming? Was it like they did they build you up for it? Or yeah, like- it's kind of crazy for me, honestly. Well, so I was of the generation right after Tim, and when DB started, right? DB. So, uh, yeah. Chef David. Brewer. Oh yeah, baby. Love that guy. He's the man. He always, he always comes in to the Charter Oak. Shout out to Charter Oak. Yes. Shout yeah. out to the Charter and yeah. shout out to DB. Hell yeah. Love that guy. Love yeah. Unbelievable! Last Un- time, last time was something was at Target. Get the fuck yeah, out of here! Yeah, that's right. Just randomly, yeah, saw just randomly Chef saw David Chef David Target. And Target. That's like seeing for normal people. That's probably like seeing a fucking I don't know. Like that, that's not the first time I've seen him somewhere weird. You know, really? the, the last time before that, uh, me, Carl, and John. How funny is it that seeing a man at Target is a seeing somewhere weird? <laughs> <laughs> for us, it is. I know because we're not nine to five, right? You know exactly. What I'm so we've exactly. been going at like, like seven thirty, right? You know, like, it's about the close. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> but uh, he, I saw him at a gas station last time. I was going to a J Cole concert with Chef John <laughs> and Carl Alexander. <laughs> yes, that was crazy. You know, um, yeah. But we're in this gas station, and Chef John always used to do this thing where he used to forget to put lotion on, right? So he had ashy ass elbows, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just. 
you know, he picked me up, so I'd be in the back seat just roasting him about his fucking sandpaper elbows. You know what I mean? So he could, he's like, dude, I can't be driving to Oakland to the Oracle Center with you roasting me about my elbow. So he goes in the store okay. yes. and gets some lotion and starts rubbing it on himself. And who turns the corner? None other than David Breed. God damn. And he's rubbing the fucking store lotion on him. And yeah. like, oh, hey, hey, how you doing? Shake his hand. Uh, but yeah. I always see him at weird places. Love it. So. That's like, for normal people, that would be like seeing fucking Steph Curry just at fucking Exactly. Party. You exactly. know what I mean? Exactly. Like, or whatever People just is. don't know. Some they people don't know, just man. don't motherfucking they don't know. don't fucking know. But, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I work, I work for him. That guy is the man, A. And... He was a, he was the exec chef of Per Se, you know? Uh, he was the executive suit, yeah, okay. Per Se. With him and Eli. But... And then he left that, came to the laundry. But, um, I mean, dude, that man, um, just one of the most fucking badass individuals I've ever met in my life, you know? Like, organized, just fucking ironclad standards, you know? Like, unbelievable fucking work ethic. And literally the most talented cuisinier that I have ever fucking imagined like that guy um just one of the most artistic like uh brains you know what i mean like we used to like look at cookbooks and this guy would just like um you know we'd take the recipes and we'd test out and that was the thing too is like he's not afraid to try something different you know and that's why i always loved about him because we would we would we would try something right and we would start and we would write the recipe and we would just make it better from there. And that was all it was. And just the way that that man progressed his cuisine and the relentlessness and the tenacity, right? The tenacity at which he he pursued, you know, perfection or I don't know what it was. Just pushing the cuisine forward is something that has left an indelible mark in me, you know what I mean? And just like, um, yeah, well, I mean, luckily... You started when Tim Hollingsworth was there. I started when Tim was you there, yeah. You saw a complete change. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but I mean, evolving. listen. Listen, I mean, Tim, unbelievably talented oh, guy. Sure. You know, love that guy. But, you know, when I started, you know, and, you know, it was a change into the guard, so to speak. So, you know, I worked at Canapé Station with DV, and the Canapé Station at the Laundry is, you know, notorious for... You work directly behind the shift. So. Yeah. <laughs> you share a station with whoever's expediting. Mm-hmm. So you get it. You know, uh, you're the first line of defense. Right. right? Sure. And so, but no, I was DB's first canopy cook at the laundry. And, you know, we grew together, man. You know, and he, uh, like, fucking pushed me harder than I thought possible. And I am not the person I am today without him, yeah. you know. But yeah, I mean, I was there for a couple, basically I was there for a year and a half and then they offered me the sous chef position there. And you know, I told you before how I always told myself I was never going to be a sous chef anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the laundry was the only place where I was like, okay. I'll be a fucking sous chef. Yeah, I'll fucking work here, man. And uh, honestly, that was like one of the greatest um, time periods of my entire life, you know, like just... The amount of autonomy that they give you at that restaurant. Yeah. But just, you know, I mean, I mean, 
Chef Keller has done an unbelievable job just uh, being that uh, extremely supportive mentor role, right? And um, being very scrupulous, but at the same time giving you enough space to truly fucking... Uh, to truly grow, you know, and honestly, that that provided it for me. So, you know, by the time I was about a year and a half in, I mean, I was expediting. I had my own team. I had my own team of guys. And how was the transition from you becoming a cook to becoming a sous chef? Because I yeah. know that's always challenging when you're, yeah. you know. And so that that is the thing, right? Is like is you go from being an operator to being a leader, right? And that's the true definition and you know I know um or basically I guess what I'm saying is you go from being able you learn how to do everything as best as you can and all of a sudden now you have to get that fucking guy to do it the way that you do it right and that is the test that truly is the test and that that's the test of great chefs and a great chef is synonymous with a great leader right so like it is how can I make sure that that person does it the way that I would do it, right? Yeah. And then how do I convey that message, right? Like how do I teach that person to see all these things that I see, right? And that is the that was the biggest thing for me. And honestly, I fucking loved it, man. Yeah, I still love it. I love um, um, having a team having that energy fucking the teaching aspect i mean all chefs are natural teachers Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of being a chef man and like honestly i think now that i have my own business like being a chef puts us in such an advantage because we already know how to manage logistics we already know how to manage operations we already know how to teach people at such a fucking i mean what other profession do you have to teach people where everything is live? Like, when you're teaching a guy on a new station, you know what I mean? Even though you're teaching him and someone else is there teaching him, you're still serving the food that yeah. they fucking make exactly. to the guest that night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're still, like, it's all live. There's no, like, oh, hey, let's fucking get it better next time. Yeah. You know, and that's the true difference and then you know also to just learning how to uh uh maintain the standards at one of the best restaurants in the fucking world you know yeah. which for me the craziest thing was when i started expediting it was about a month into me ex- or not even a couple weeks into me ep- expediting and that's when oh that's when the article about per se came out Mm-hmm. Right in the New York Times, and then TK and DB and Manila and all the guys went over to Per Se, and all of a sudden it was the kids running the fucking restaurant, you know. And that article was written by who? Who was that? That was Pete Wells in New York. Yeah, he's just trashing it. No, yeah, man. that fucking guy. Yeah. Like, you know, in whatever. This is my or actually, this is a podcast. So yeah, here's me. Hey, speak your yeah, mind, baby. Let's fuck let the food world writers know. nowadays. Oh, That's go. all I gotta say. There like, you go. fuck food Except writers. For Salejo. Okay, the shit. and I shouldn't say that, but. You know, you got, like, Salejo, she's got a message that she's getting out, and she's not trying to rip people down. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? She is, um, she's out there making a stand for what she fucking stands for, yeah, which for sure. I 
unbelievably respect. Oh my god! And she is eloquent. She is well written. She is supportive. That's the biggest thing is that she is supportive, right? Yeah. She is not out here like in and again, this is a podcast. So Pete Wells, that fucking guy writes articles to sell newspapers. And the only way he can write articles to sell fucking newspapers is to write audacious, ridiculous articles about that are false. You know what I mean? That are literally fucking false. Yeah. You know what I mean? And in my opinion, you know, you got that guy, fucking Ryan, whatever his name is, over at Eater in New York, too. Like, mm-hmm. fuck that guy. Um, but, anyways, not to go down that rabbit hole too much. But, um, <laughs> just, just basically, the point, basically, the point I'm trying to make is that if you are a food writer, you have a duty to us in the restaurant industry mm-hmm. to support us, right? If you're going to be a hater, get the fuck out of their food writing position. Yeah. Right? It is an industry that is hard enough already, right? It is an industry that there's a lot of underrepresented sections of our fucking industry that you could be supporting them and uplifting them, which mm-hmm. Salejo does a fucking amazing job doing. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, look I at her. I found out a lot about a lot of shit from her. Well, that's what I'm saying because she appreciates Food. Yeah. She appreciates the industry, right? And that's the problem is, in my opinion, right, is that food writers are trying to sell newspapers. They think their only way that they can sell their product is by making these ridiculous articles. Mm-hmm. Whereas instead it should be, hey, how do I more intelligently provide value to the reader, right? Which is, hey, maybe don't write about the same fucking restaurants all the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe go find some fucking new restaurants to write about. There's always exciting shit going on in our industry. And especially in New York City. Especially in New York City, right? And out here. You know what I mean? And out here, yeah. too. But um, anyway, so Pete it's, Wells... It's funny, though. Like We think about those negative reviews, and then you think about the people that also get excited that they got positive reviews from right. that man. Right. So it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Like you Well, the know, thing is, well the thing is and something that I have to say is that um and again, I'm a nobody, right? I'm going to preface this with saying I'm a nobody. <laughs> that. Okay? But if you are the New York Times food critic, you are in many ways the most powerful food critic on planet Earth. Yeah. Right? You are. And in my opinion, you should you should take that with a fucking grain of salt and understand the power that you have as a person, as a writer, right? As a fucking person that has, you're not just writing these articles that catch the attention of people. Mm-hmm. You're writing articles about restaurants, right? That in, you're impacting that restaurant. That restaurant has people that fucking work day and night there and put their blood, sweat, and tears in that restaurant every day. People that rely on a paycheck. Like, like restaurants are like one of the only fucking... It's like you operate this business. The margins are slim enough. And then you get your fucking ass handed to you by these people that... Can't do what you do. That can't... You are literally... I mean, to quote Mark Pierre White again, you, be, you are judged by those that know less than you about what you do. Yeah. That is a fact. You know what I mean? And that is a fact. Mm-hmm. Like... I'm sorry. And that's another reason why I saw Leo Ho is respected, because she used to cook. You know I mean, saying? she used to cook. Yeah. But also, too, 
you know what I mean? I haven't seen her write anything where she's tearing people down. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's that's why I respect her as a as a food writer. You know, and like I don't respect food writers that tear people down. If you want to write something and disagree with a chef all day long, you have my respect. If you want to write an article where you're just uh, trashing, trashing, you're kicking someone in the fucking balls, like. You no longer have my respect, but again, I'm a fucking nobody, so who, who cares? No. Um, but, anyways, articles written, all the guys gotta leave, all of a sudden I'm running the restaurant. No joke, Dave, that week. You know who comes in the fucking restaurant when everyone's gone? Guy Savoy. Ugh. Fucking Elena Arzak. Oh, Jesus. Okay? Literally, they come into the fucking So restaurant. you're on the phone. I mean, I, yo, I'm on the TV, chef. They're fucking... Oh, that's right. Literally, I'm watching explain them this on to the, the TV. Explain this to everybody. What is the, the TVs here? Yeah, and so I don't want to necessarily pretend like I'm a spokesperson for the front No, I hear you. I hear you. But, like, there's a television that connects the two restaurants, right? So there's cameras. You can yeah. see what's going on. And that's the beauty of what Chef has developed is that relationship between two sister restaurants because it's that connection, right? And it's the it's the way that those restaurants work together to push uh, the cuisine forward. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but no, I mean, I'm there, new, running a fucking, arguably the greatest fucking restaurant in America, and... Everyone's gone, yeah. <laughs> and the fucking, some of the best chefs in the entire world are coming in to eat, and that shit was crazy. But you know, you learn how to make sure you know how to maintain standards, you know, and maintaining standards at a restaurant, especially a tasting menu, three Michelin star restaurant that serves a hundred covers a night, is um. A skill set (laughs) that you have to learn. You know, it's fast, it's hard. There's an unbelievably small window of window for fucking success. Exactly. It's like everything's working against you. Everything, and so you're constantly doing this. But that's that's the beauty of it, too, right? That's the beauty of it. I miss that's that. That's what I miss. You know what I mean? I will sit here and say all day long, "We're doing this business over here. It's great," but. That's where I perform best, you know, is during service. Yeah. And. I know the feeling. It's a matter of time before I, mean, I get you, back to it. When but. you're putting that apron on before service. Oh, dude, the apron. Right. Dude, in the, <laughs> the, the apron, and the more you study, like, uh, you know, like these other guys, how do I explain it? You know, now that we have this business, right, you're, you're exposed to these other industries that we're insulated from when we're in the restaurant industry, like the marketing industry. I'm mm-hmm. just going to say that right now, right? And so the marketing industry, if you think about it, there's all these businesses that have to um, convince the customer of their value because intrinsically their business might not necessarily seem like it has value to the customer, right? So you have to convince the customer of that value, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that's interesting for us as chefs because we create beautiful cuisine. Beautiful cuisine kind of speaks for itself. You know what I mean? You You don't really need someone coming up with some catchy fucking tagline to sell some beautiful food, right? Instead, you take a picture of some beautiful food and you put it in front of someone and they're like, holy shit, that looks really nice. You know what I mean? And so 
Where am I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> I caught you after a long day, so oh, you, might, you might need a little bit of time to long think about this real quick. Long days, fucking finish that Pacifico. We got some Modellos somewhere, too. Right? Oh, bring those Modellos out here. Uh, we got them in the studio kitchen. I'm going to go outside. Oh, fuck Where are you at on your Pacifico? You still got it? Uh, I'm done. You're done? I'm good. Do you want one more? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Yeah. Let me- so you're doing something for their members. You hear that? That's that truffle popcorn, baby. Mm. Mm. So, basically they said, hey, can you do something for our members? So we said, of course, right? Because you always say yes and then figure out how to fucking do it. Mm -hmm. So, we did a kind of meal kit, basically, where we put together all the ingredients, how to make that truffle risotto, Right? And we put the truffles in that kit to sell through that shit, right? And then we thought like, hey, how can we provide an additional value? And we said, you know, we will do a Zoom class, like a live class on how to cook the risotto, right? And so, um, honestly, we had no idea if it would fucking work, but we had no other options, right? And... The year before, in <laughs> around Valentine's Day, we tried doing a similar project and it failed like a motherfucker. It was, it did not work at all. And so, but we went for it, and literally the next day, the battery put it live. Uh, we put it on our website as well. We put it live too. And was that the one that was him? Yes. Yeah. The one that I cut down the... Yes. Oh, wow. And yo, literally within fucking four hours that, that we launched the fucking class, we sold out of all of those truffles. All 25 pounds. Gone. And that was the start of our fucking business pivot, man. We went to selling... We went from selling truffles directly to chefs at restaurants to shelling live cooking experiences. Just like that. And I know you were part of our very first class. You can see fucking David Susio. Uh-huh. Oh. Episode number one as the fucking announcer. That's right. Remember that shit? <laughs> you guys well, like, yeah, we need an entrance. I was like, I got you. Yep. And so... Yeah. Damn, so... So you guys did that one video, mm-hmm. and then how, when did you decide, like, hey, we're going to fucking do this full board, mm-hmm. like, we're going into yeah. this? Was that so a honestly, days after, or was it just like... Well, so honestly, it, it, it very organically became an unbelievable fucking revenue source. So, like, we started, and the first class we did, we sold, like, 60 kits, but the beauty of working with the battery is... People who are members of the battery are also like CEOs and owners of all of the biggest companies out here in the Bay Area, right? Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, we got hit with all these requests for like company events and this, that, and the other. And the beauty of it is we knew how to ship perishable products. Mm-hmm. Right, we knew how to distribute a perishable product by selling truffles. Right, we knew what insulation we needed, the ice packs. We knew that, right? And so, 
and we had the UPS accounts and the FedEx accounts and this and that. And so, you know, there were a couple things that we kind of knew and we knew like basically we knew enough to be dangerous, right? But so we knew how to cook. We knew how to write recipes. We knew how to distribute a perishable product. Okay. So, and then the other side of it kind of naturally fell in place. Like we did that first class and then we learned how to market it on Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. And then we did a couple other classes and we partnered with uh, Chef Suzette Gresham at Acarello. Shout out Chef Suzette. I was there for that one. Yeah. Shout out for Chef. Incredible. Yeah. Um, Did you ever caught a gnocchi? And literally we just... So it was good. Oh, unbelievable. So good. And it was one of those things where, I mean, we did it once and it was just like, like, like people, we had a fucking 70% returning customer rate. Well, if you think you, you created hope in a time where there was no hope. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. we, and the, community. the world changed like that. Right. And you fucking right made a business model that and we yeah and honestly and you know again it's uh it's luck right it is luck we fucking we were in a position we had something that we had to fucking push we had a skill set that we had we had no idea if it would fucking work but honestly and that's the thing too is we doubled down and then we hammered the sales mm. and then we fucking went from there so legitimately we went. And I don't know if this is incriminating or not, but I'm going to say it. But the first couple kits we built in our fucking house. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there was not in some fucking kitchen. We built that shit in our house, right? And then we're working at Forage Kitchen. We built them at Forage. We went to... Uh, uh, and then, you know, uh, one day we got, a, we got a request from a private company and said, Hey, could you do 150 kits for us? <laughs> And we were like, yeah, 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 for sure, no problem. And literally, we're at ground zero. So, like, the morning of, we, like, go to Restaurant Depot, buy all the ingredients. Because Restaurant Depot was still open, you remember? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And nowhere else was fucking open. So, go there, get everything, build them, send all the fucking kits out. And then we're like, all right, we're going to do truffle mac and cheese, and we're going to sell a 1,000 of them, right? <laughs> and, again, we're still working out of our house. And we did 150, so now we're like, oh, yeah, we're going to sell 1,000. And, you know, our brains didn't quite understand what doing 10x would actually be like from a logistical perspective. Like, at that point, and then literally I call up, like, Tamales Bay uh, Foods, right, Who, because we work with Cowgirl Creamery. We get our the wagon wheel from them. I'm like, all right, yeah, I need this much wagon wheel. They're like, okay, perfect. That's going to be, like, three pallets of fucking food and I'm like Jesus Christ like we don't even know where to put three pallets and so uh, at that point literally we're like we've already sold 500 of these things and so I'm calling everywhere we need a space to work out of and so luckily I get a hold of these guys over at Carrie Dove Catering in in, uh, Oakland and we moved into Carrie Dove and we literally produced and, and shipped out packages from a fucking loading dock for like four months and I know you remember that shit mm-hmm. and legitimately I mean we just fucking learned everything I worked I, I, del- I delivered I know you did yeah. and do you remember how I downloaded that app yeah and it was literally Optimo Route it's the it's the same fucking program that like DoorDash runs off really of. yeah 
And literally, remember we downloaded it, we'd give you the code to your, your cell phone, it'd show you the route, and then like I could watch where you were at in the mm-hmm. route. And like that is one thing that I will say being a chef gave us a leg up on is like as a chef, you're a problem solver. You know what I mean? It's like like I have in, in naivete certainly fucking had a play in it too, but like legitimately like I have no idea how to fucking run a like like distribution technology platform, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm stupid enough to think that I can figure it out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm over here with Optimo Route trying fucking to code it with my fucking brother, you know what I mean? And like we're like, all right, you go here and you go there and I'm calling up everyone, we're paying everyone on fucking Venmo and like I mean we just did it, you know, we just fucking did it, but we just kept going and kept going and kept going and then you know, we we moved into a space that was over in Emeryville, which is fucking you know, cool, and then, you know, we pissed everyone off over there, because we're always working a lot, and it's a bunch of fucking, I don't know, you know, fucking Berkeley folks over there, um, and so, anyways, they weren't, they didn't like you working 16 hours, they didn't like us, they're a bunch of fucking, honestly, there's a bunch of fucking rich trust fund kids that say they're artists, and (laughs) don't have to actually work for a paycheck, The machine gun just went off. Shots yeah. fired. Here we I, go. I, I said it. It's yeah. all good. I yeah. said it. Say whatever Again, you want. Again, it's Susio talk. I'm sorry. Yeah, say whatever the fuck you want. Uh, we do not have the fucking... We do not have the fucking um, luxury of not having to make a paycheck every single week. Exactly. Okay? Yeah. So no, if I you're out you. there and you're some rich <laughs> fucking trust fund artist kid living in a loft... Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, appreciate and, your lifestyle. And share some of it. And then right? shut and the fuck up when other people around you are trying to work and make some money... And don't just bitch and pretend like you're a victim <laughs> of your fucking situation. All right, just shut up. All right, but, there you go. Mm-hmm. Got to it all riled up. Isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. But right. so basically, we piss everyone off. We get kicked out of that spot, and then lo and behold, we found this place over here on the market. It was a uh, very big uh, step for us to take, but. Legitimately, in the, our business was growing, and um, in no way, shape, or form am I trying to suggest that we have made it, right? We yeah. are still in the shit up to our fucking eyes, right? But um, I know that we... You're doing better than you were, baby. No, oh, we're doing better than we were. I took we, we have taken a chance on ourselves, and I got to say that is the most... You know, again, it's refreshing, man is betting on yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, as an entrepreneur, as uh, doing something and moving forward in a space where you got to make decisions, I got to say, one of the, one of the most, like, one of the things that most, like, uh, one of the most comforting things that you can do is make a decision and then know in the back of your mind that you will work day and fucking night to make sure that that happens. Yeah. And it's on you. You know what I mean? It's not it's not like someone else's decision. You know, it's 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 on you to to make sure it happens. And so at this point again, we haven't fucking gotten anywhere. But mark my words, um our vision is large enough and we have the right team, right? 
So I can't predict the future, but again, we have the vision, we have the team, we have the opportunity. Now it's just a matter of fucking putting it together. Yeah. You know? So you got this this location. That's right. Used, used to be an old... Used to be a fucking noodle factory. That's right. You did Chang Foods Incorporated, right? In in um, East Oakland, there was a three-story noodle machine in here. We ripped that thing out. That's crazy. And then, um, yeah, man. And honestly, you know, we got a production line. We've got uh, studio kitchens outside in the parking lot. That's right. <laughs> We've got... They are uh, very cool. They're fucking super cool, right? Look out for look out for those uh, Susio videos. You're gonna be yo, seeing some. some yo, look out for these David Susio collab videos. We're doing some of those coming up. Coming up here soon. We're gonna have we're gonna drop dates over here for Christmas. For Christmas around Christmas time, and then, um, but yeah, and you know, again, it is uh, we truly see the opportunity to democratize cooking knowledge. At a rate and at a scope that has not been done yet. Yeah. Right? And that is the opportunity that's in front of us. Fucking amazing. Yeah. And so, you know, we're going to fucking keep going for it, man. Yeah, man. Keep going for it. Keep hammering it. Create opportunity, right, for those in our profession, right? And... The beauty of it is you have you you are able to go direct to consumer in a way that was not available to us before as chefs, right? Like, um, like I get to directly access the guest as opposed to going through a server. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, how many times as the chef do you get to actually personally like get to know the people at the table? You know what I mean? Like as much as you would like to, or maybe if you don't want to or whatever, but um, that's, a, that's one of the best things about the charter. Room. Yeah. The way that that restaurant is set up is getting, I mean, you know, getting to talk to everybody and, yep. and being able to, uh, to make them feel at home and make yep. them feel loved and yep. like somebody cares for them. You know yep. what I mean? That's, Which that's, is that's hospitality. Honestly. Yeah. I that's mean, that is hospitality. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, over here at Truffle Shuffle, we're doing live cooking experiences, right? Get on it, baby. Fucking get on see it. Every my, Sunday. See my impression of a broiler hit every up Sunday. TruffleShuffleSF.com. There you go. Right? You got to check out those live cooking experiences. Plug but, it in. Plug it in. You know, but with that too, it's like uh, we're able to cook with kids. We're able to cook with – I mean per, I do it for the kids, man, honestly because – the kids and seeing, honestly, seeing like uh, how excited they are. Because right now it's a fucking weird time, right? Yeah. Like, especially with COVID, you can't hang out with people. Your social bubbles are restricted. You can't see your family that much. Like, I mean, kids are doing school. I mean, Latoya is a fucking, you know, elementary school teacher. Like, kids are doing school on Zoom. Yeah, so I mean, kids are doing school on Zoom. You know what I mean? Which I gotta say, if I was a fucking kid, yeah, I'd I, I wouldn't be able to do it. It'd be completely. Yeah, I'd be a dumbass motherfucker, man. Right, just That's be just playing like, video like, games like, for like, an entire school year. You know what I mean? And like, um, but right, like if if I if I can contribute to my industry in the way where if I can contribute to the kids and give some of them some cooking knowledge that I've gotten along the way. 
I consider that success, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it's the same for me. It's like, fuck me and my success. It's right. like, it's about all the people that learned from you right. and see how far they go. And that is really your success. Right. You know? And yeah. that's what's so amazing about being a chef and being in this industry is like, it's like years of legacy. Exactly. You know, years and years and years of legacy. And like, you know, we share it with a lot of other industries in the world. Um, and one that's close to the mentality of a chef is sports. Exactly. You know, the greatest sports, the greatest athletes, like mm-hmm. LeBron James. Right. You know, I always tell my cooks, I say, do you think LeBron James goes back to the locker room and says, oh, I shot 32 points. I did a great job. Right. No, he goes, I should have shot 36. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, like just you watch always that. expecting more from yourself. Yeah. I mean, you watch that Michael Jordan fucking series. Man. Amazing. Like, I look like that Amazing. hits home <laughs> yeah, so exactly. hard. Like, dude. It's like literally like working in a three-star kitchen. Yo, like, That's exactly. exactly what it's like. Right. And it's like, yeah. like you, you're never looking at your successes. Yeah. You're always looking at where you can do better. And it's not personal. It's that's not personal. That's one of the things that people, people like misconstrue. It's like, right. oh, well. Why are they doing that or why are they being angry? It's like right. they're not being upset or angry or, or you know manifesting negative energy towards you because they don't like you or they don't want you to succeed. Mm-hmm. They care about their craft. You are the person that is going to carry the craft forward after they're gone. Right. So they have to put all of their energy into making sure that you don't do that dumbass shit that you were doing. Fact. Because it's yep. like, whenever I do some dumb shit, I have Jake Rojas in my head being like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, fuck you. You know? And you're like, yep. okay, no. Exactly. You know what I mean? And then after a while, it's you. Exactly. Who takes over that, that voice. Right. And that's like, I think, when you know, like, oh shit, like, I'm, like, becoming a chef. Impact. You know? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Totally. Um, so, Tyler, I want to thank you <laughs> for doing this podcast with Hell me. Hell yes. The first one ever. Fucking first su- episode of Sucio Talk. Sucio Talk, primero uno. Primero uno. That's not uno is a word. Primero is a word, but they don't go together like that. All right, I fucked it up. It's but like it's like got died. You know what I mean? That doesn't go together. All right, so it's okay we, though. It's what are we okay. saying over here? It's okay though. We're saying that this is gonna be one of the best motherfucking podcasts you ever heard in your life. Fact. If you get offended, just don't pl- don't listen next Fuck time. Fuck off. Okay. <laughs> Other than that. We'll see you next time. Oh, yeah. Thank you, world. Thank you, Tyler Boris. Thank Peace you, Truffle out. Shuffle. Thank you, everybody. My, my, uh, what is it? My sponsor, Truffle Shuffle. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, Truffle Shuffle is sponsoring this shit. Woo! Can I say brought to you by Truffle Shuffle? Yeah, fuck yeah. Go ahead. Sucio Talk. Brought to you by Truffle Shuffle.